0: Well we're uh, starting a new uh, series in the Old Testament uh, today, so I'm going to ask you to turn to uh, the end of 2 Chronicles, which is chapter 36, and uh, we're going to read from verse 15 to the uh, end of chapter 1 of Ezra, so a new series. A new adventure, Uh, let us read, and then I will pray for us. So reading from chapter 36 of 2 Chronicles, from verse 15, it's just really to give us some context, um, and uh, reading to the end, that's verse 11 of... Ezra, the book of Ezra, which is where we're going to be uh, exploring. So I'll wait for everybody. 36. 36. Right at the end, the very last book of 2 Chronicles. Just to give us some uh, background and, and uh, perspective as we come into... The book of Ezra. And then I will pray this. So, the fall of Jerusalem, verse 15. And the Lord God of their fathers sent warnings to them by his messages, rising up early and sending them, because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. But they mocked the messengers of God, despised his words, and scoffed at his prophets, until the wrath of the Lord arose against his people, till there was no remedy. Therefore he brought against them the king of the Chaldeans, who killed their young men with the sword in the house of their sanctuary, and had no compassion on young man or virgin, on the aged or the weak. He gave them all into his hand. And all the articles from the house of God, great and small, the treasures of the house of the Lord, and the treasures of the king and of his leaders, all these he took <coughs> to Babylon. Then they burnt the house of God, broke down the wall of Jerusalem, burned all its palaces with fire and destroyed all its precious possessions. And those who escaped from the sword, he carried away to Babylon why they became servants to him and his sons, until the rule of the kingdom of Persia. To fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah until the land had enjoyed her Sabbaths, as long as she lay desolate, she kept Sabbath, to fulfill seventy years. Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, and the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up The spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and put it in writing, saying, Thus says king of Persia, All the kingdoms of the earth the Lord God of heaven has given me, and he has commanded me to build him a house in Jerusalem, which is in Judea. Who is among you of all his people? May the Lord be his God be with him, and let him go up. And into Ezra chapter 1, and then we're going to be seeing this repeated. Now, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, though he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and put it in writing, saying, and this is down in verse 4, and we see it in more detail. Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, all the kingdoms of the earth. The Lord God of heaven has given me and he has commanded me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judea, who is among you of all his people. May his God be with him and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judea in Judah and build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is God, which is in Jerusalem and whoever is left. In any place where he dwells, let the men of his place help him with silver and gold, with goods and livestock, <coughs> beside the free will offerings for the house of God, which is in Jerusalem. Then the heads of the fathers' houses of Judea, of Judah and Benjamin, and the priests and the Levites, with all the whole, all whose spirits God had moved, arose to go up and build the house of the Lord which is in Jerusalem. And all those who were around them encouraged them with articles of silver and gold, with goods and livestock, and with precious things, besides all that was willingly offered. (coughs) King Cyrus also brought out of the, the, the articles of the house of the Lord which Nebuchadnezzar had taken from Jerusalem and put in the temple of his gods. And Cyrus, king of Persia, brought them out by the hand of Mithradath, the treasurer, and counted them out to shesh the prince of Judah. This is the number of them, 30 gold platters, 1,000 silver platters, 29 knives, 30 gold basins, 410 silver basins of a similar kind, and 1,000 other articles. All the articles of gold and silver were 5,400. All these, Shesh Bazar, took with the captives who were brought from Babylon to Jerusalem. Well, may the Lord bless the reading of his word. May I pray for us as we come round his word this morning. Loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for... Uh, uh, testimonies that we can bring and, and share about your goodness to us and Lord we thank you that you are the living God that you're alive that you speak to us and that you are with us and Lord we thank you for that and Lord we we seek your face that you would indeed revive us in this day that you revive us as your people and Lord that you would uh, uh, stir us up in the service uh, of of, y- of your great name and that uh, uh, we would see your kingdom being extended and built up in this place. Amen. Amen. Right, so my title this morning uh, is really taken from James Bond, although I'm going to make no reference to James Bond, but you know uh, that famous uh, um, comment that he makes if you 've ever watched the James Bond movies you know uh, uh, shaken but not stirred well my title for this this morning's message is kind of kind of introductory me- message for this series uh, from the Old Testament uh, looking at these history books is stirred not shaken and uh, you might uh, uh, already having heard the, 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 the uh, the passage and seeing the, the certain verses where that word stir is 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 there, and that's kind of like our theme this morning. Stirred, not shaken, or stirred and shaken. Maybe Well God stirs us up, we're shaking as well, and that's what we're going to be thinking about. So we're starting a new series in the Old Testament. We're starting with Ezra. We're looking at essentially, hopefully. Um, uh, three books uh, which are kind of like together club together. Uh, so we're going to be starting with uh, 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 Ezra and then moving on to the books of Esther and Nehemiah. and they're all kind of really dealing with the, the same kind of uh, time scale in, in the Old Testament, really dealing with God bringing back the people uh, from the Babylonian captivity. And all that takes place there with the rebuilding of the temple and the walls uh, and the re-establishing of the, the, wor- the true wor- you know, worship of God. So we'll be exploring Ezra, examining Esther and navigating Nehemiah. And uh, I hope it will be a, a blessing and uh, uh, of benefit to us as we go through this, this kind of survey of the essential themes and lessons that we can learn from these three books. I'm dipping into Haggai as well, uh, because that's, these are a relevant uh, prophet, as, as well as Zechariah. So we're looking really at, at revival, God reviving his people, restoring his people, and resetting them, resetting the worship of God. And we've already looked at the kind of like the background to chapter One of Ezra with the fall of Jerusalem and uh Nebuchadnezzar from Babylon coming the people being taken away I think in in, in three stages there were people taken as captives to Babylon they were there for this seventy years and uh uh now we've we've got uh, uh the return the return. Uh, which is going to be in, in three stages uh, beginning um, as we see uh, in chapter chapter one so this is really setting the scene uh, for uh, the uh, return from back captivity and as I've said before this is this is a a, a book that uh, along with Esther and Nehemiah uh, take place in a, in a in a not in a short space of time. These are events that are going to happen very quickly, uh, but are really going to be sort of taking place over a, a period of maybe 80 years or so, uh, roughly from 538 BC to 433 BC. It's really the as far as the Old Testament is concerned, it's the kind of final. Uh, sort of stage of Old Testament history and as I've said the free kind of free stage return of the Jewish people uh, to back to uh, the land of Judah back to Jerusalem so we see uh, uh, the first group um, under Zerubbabel uh, then Ezra's party in 458 Uh, And then Nehemiah in 445 B.C. And the book of Esther belongs in a kind of sort of uh, time between the rebuilding of the temple at Jerusalem and Ezra's return. And we're really going to be concerned with the big themes in these books. And uh, we're obviously especially going to be looking at Ezra to begin with. And really what we're dealing with is a recovery of... Identity. Identity uh, as God's special covenant people, as uh, our identity as people called to be holy and separate. People learning to plead with God and in doing so fulfilling a task. That task being the rebuilding here, the rebuilding of the temple and the restoration of true worship. Above all, we're going to be learning that God is in control. God is sovereign and mighty. Now, there are critical issues. There are um, issues about dating and the fine detail of things like that. Uh, But what we must remember and what we must have is a Christ-centered perspective that sees all of Scripture as God-breathed, suitable for teaching, edification, and building up of the saints. We're going to be looking at what is God's purpose for the book of Ezra Ezra, for us today, what God is going to be teaching us, what he was teaching his people all those years ago. And it's essential for us to know that the ultimate author here um, is the Holy Spirit, the ultimate author, is is not Ezra and the scribes that he might have been working with and learning from as he was kind of putting together uh, this book. And he always some believe he, he wrote Chronicles as well. But it's the Holy Spirit. It's it's our blessed Triune God, our Sovereign God, who has inspired us and, and brought this book into existence as we have it in our in the Holy Scriptures for our edification. And comfort it's really uh, an account of his marvelous providence an unfolding plan for his people, and as we see it's a fulfillment of the lord's promise and we be, we've seen that of God fulfilling his promise to his people it's uh, a fulfillment of the words of Jeremiah so we can don't need to turn to it but jeremiah twenty five uh, let's uh, let me read. Uh, some verses from that chapter and this is what Jeremiah is saying, he's prophesying and this is coming to fruition, it's being fulfilled and right at the start of Ezra and he's, he's affirmed that right at the end of chapter 36 of Chronicles, he's really setting the stage, this is being fulfilled God is being faithful to his promise to his people so Jeremiah 25 reading from verse 10 Moreover, I will banish them from the voice of, from them, the voice of mercy and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the grinding of the millstones and the light from the lamp, the lamp, the light of the lamp. This whole land shall become a ruin and a waste. And these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. Then after 70 years are completed, I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation. The land of the Chaldeans, for their iniquity, declares the Lord, making the land an everlasting waste. Verse 13. I will bring upon that land the words that I have uttered against it, everything written in this book, which Jeremiah prophesied against all the nations. For many nations and great kings shall make slaves of even of them, and I will recompense them according to their deeds and the work of their hands. Then Jeremiah 29, uh, verse <coughs> verse 10. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill my promise to you and bring you back to this place. See, God is uh, ultimately he's faithful to his word. He's faithful to the Jewish people and he does that, and Ezra is recording that for us, and uh, God God in his providence calls this man, he's not a prophet, he's a scribe, he's a priest, um, and he has gifts, and God has called this man, and he's um, penning these words, if you like, he's compiled these books, and he's, he's recording the great things God has done for the Jewish people. And, and we see God's perfect timing, <coughs> God's faithfulness. And that's an encouragement for us, isn't it? It's an encouragement for us here in this church when we think about the journey we've been on. And some of you who who are maybe newer to the fellowship uh, might not see the picture that some of us who have been much longer can see God's faithfulness to us here. I mean, all these... Well, there's not very many empty seats. Have a look around you, and and, uh, when I look from this perspective, um, you know it's it's so wonderful and encouraging. God is faithful. God is is doing a work here, and it's the same God who spoke through Jeremiah all those years ago. It's the same God. Uh, that inspired him to pen these words saying that God will fulfill his promise and, and bring back his people uh, in this case it's the people of Israel back to the land and that they will be restored, they will be revived uh, and so forth. God is is doing that. He's answering prayers that I'm sure were uttered in this place a long time ago and he is doing his work. God is alive uh, God is uh, is living, his His word is true, and he is with us. And we can, I'm sure, many of us can sing, you know, sing those words from that hymn, tell out my soul the glories of his word, firm is his promise, and his mercy sure. God is merciful, and he fulfills his promise to his people. Uh, people it's the big takeaway for us this morning the lord is sovereign the lord is faithful he restores he revives he resets his people for his own glory for his purposes he ultimately is the one in charge and we think about this man Cyrus this man is is, is the big potentate as we would say he's the big guy uh he's come in he's taken over babylon and uh, he's making all these proclamations and decrees, and he perhaps was thinking that he was the one that was, well, I am the king of kings, I am the king of everything that I see, and um, I'm defeating all these people and so forth. But it's the Lord who is acting out his will and using these people. He's the one that is really in charge and that's an encouragement for us when we look at what is going on in our world and we see what's happening in Russia and seeing, seeing all the chaos there and uh, we, we see uh, uh, things uh, going on in the world world leaders and so forth but we have to look to who really is in charge our God our sovereign God is in charge Amen. He's the one that is in charge and he's the one that's going to uh, uh, revive, restore, reset his work and as he does here and he's doing here. We give thanks for that. And um, Friday we were singing a hymn. I I don't recall singing it before, but it's in Mission Praise 578. Revive thy work, O Lord. Some of you might know it, might remember it. Yes. It goes like this. Revive thy work, O Lord, thy mighty arm make bare. Speak with the voice that wakes the dead and makes thy people hear. God is at work. God is faithful. And God is the one that stirs up. He's the one that stirs up Cyrus. Cyrus is thinking uh, that... You know, he's a very virtuous king. You might be thinking, well, I'm going to do this. This is the policy I'm going to have. But it's the Lord that's behind it all, stirring up this this mighty king. And again, fulfilling scripture. We can go to Isaiah 44, verse 28. What is it says this? Who says of, who says of Cyrus, he is my shepherd, that's the Lord. He shall fulfill my all my purpose, saying of Jerusalem, she shall be built, and of the temple, your foundation shall be laid. So all the way back there was Isaiah promising this, and now it is fulfilled. That's one of the first things um, the book of Ezra points out and wants to tell us about. The, the word of the prophets, the word of Jeremiah has been fulfilled. And what do we see the Lord doing? He's stirring up this Persian king. He's a very crucial person in the outworking of God's plan and purpose for his people. And as we see, this is seven in the scene for the book of ezra for all all the activity that we're going to be thinking about this you know the the return and the 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 attempts to build the temple and the struggle of the jewish people and how god is is going to come through for them but it's all kind of starting with god doing this work of stirring up now in 1879 an object was found in the ruins of Babylon called the Cyrus, that's called the Cyrus Cylinder. Has anybody heard of it? Anybody been to the, uh, well, you can see it in the British Museum. Uh, you can go there if you've ever been to the British Museum. And it contains 45 lines of text. It's called cuneiform. It's this kind of special style that uh, the Babylonians used. And it's in the Babylonian dialect, apparently, of uh, Akkadian, and uh, it was most likely commissioned by this King Cyrus that we're, we're reading about here, uh, soon after his takeover of Babylon and the, of the, the city, and it refers in the actual cylinder to the the sins of the of the Babylonian leaders of. Uh, of the the previous king. And, of course, we can think of Daniel, the book of Daniel, and the writing on the wall. Um, and how the, you know, the writing on the wall, you remember that from Daniel, the book of Daniel? You know, you've been found, you've been weighed in the scales and found wanting. And then, of course, that's the, the, the you know, we remember that chapter in Daniel on the fall of Babylon. So this cylinder refers to that, but it refers Uh, to the sins of the Babylonians the Babylonian kings uh, but it makes no specific reference to the Jews or to the Jewish people or to Jerusalem or the temple and in fact these (coughs) cylinders were designed to be buried in important buildings their content was to be read only by the gods however in 2009-2010 some clay tablet found fragments were recovered so maybe they were in some museum, maybe it's at the British Museum but they were, were, were found it or recovered and translated so we got these experts who uh, are, are skilled in languages and they were able to decipher these clay fragment texts and they discovered that uh, the, these, the contents were a duplicate of the Cyrus Cylinder and according to this gentleman, who's obviously an expert, you might have heard of him, Irving Finkel, who is a curator at the museum there in London. According to him, these fragments probably originated from a scribal um, office who, where big tablets were produced and sent all around the empire to every corner of the empire to be read out and it's thought it's thought or believed that these tablets may have contained extra passages added and adapted to local circumstances the website biblicalarchaeology.org states this it is then certainly possible that the cyrus cylinder and the narrative in Ezra, which is what we see here, both reflect official state proclamations from the Persian administration after the conquest of a region. So this what is recorded here is history, is what the Lord in his providence and goodness wants for us, us to see and read. It's there in scriptures so what we see is a regime change a reversal policy and a a plan to restore regime change reverse policy and a restoration going on of captive peoples and what we see here whether this man was really aware of it maybe he was aware of these prophecies in Isaiah uh, or not but he was being used um in the purposes of god for god's people and God uses events and circumstances and people to build his kingdom and he's building his kingdom he's building his church he is res- he, he res- he's restoring spiritual life and this is what the lord does and jesus says this in mark sixteen matthew sixteen He says he says this, and I tell you, speaking to Peter, and I tell you this, and we know this this verse, don't we? Verse eighteen. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, this is the rock, the, the truth about what who Jesus is. I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I will build my church. Jesus is going to build His church, and nothing will prevail against it. And we can go through hardship, we can go through times of difficulty, and we have been through uh, struggles in this church, and we've all been uh, through that. We can see all the all kinds of challenges, but we can tr- trust in our faithful God. He is going to build. His church, he is building his church, and isn't that wonderful for us to to hold on to? And we see in these verses, uh, uh, God stirring up this this ruler, he's stirring him up to, to, to do this proclamation. So there's probably a clay tablet that was sent out specifically for the Jewish people, and we see in this pro, pro, proclamation. Uh, if you sort of just glance back uh, to these verses, uh, we see him being stirred up and he's making this uh, pronouncement. And he's really telling the people, you know, to the Jewish people, it's time for you to go up. So we've got, we've got the Lord stirring up. We've got the Lord telling, uh, using a secular ruler, a, 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 a heathen king, to tell God's people to go up. Go up to Jerusalem to return to, to to build and restore verse four. We've even got the people being told to coffer that is give up that give to support this, this return financial and material support verse four. Let the men of his place help him with silver and gold and goods and livestock. So God is providing and then verse 5 we see God stirring up the, the leaders that are, are there verse 5, all these heads of, of these families are there um, it be, might be in your, your translation it might say whose spirits God moved in the older translations it says that, it uses the same expression, stir, stir up God stirs up their hearts and we see that they rise up. So God stirs up the king. He, he makes a proclamation, tells the people to go up, tells them to cough up, to, to provide, and the leaders um, respond. And God is stirring them up through His Spirit, and they rise up. Verse 5. And we see verse 6 people respond with gifts freely offered. So we see an offering of of gifts. Verse 6. With articles of silver, gold, with goods, livestock, with precious things. Besides all that was willingly offered. God is stirring up the people to give for this project. God is at work. And we see King Cyrus bring out all they get all the vessels of the temple, verses 7 to 10. And we've got this man, Sheshbazar, uh, at verse 11. Along with all the people up there in, in Babylon, who take up the vessels and bring them to Jerusalem. So we've got stirring up. We've got people being t- being uh, co- being told, and it's official sanction from the government that you can go up, you can return, build up, restore, and people being told and encouraged to give out, to give up, to cough up. I'm just using that expression, but you know what 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 I mean. And then you've got you've got the Lord stirring up the spirits of the leaders so that they. They gird their loins, if you like, and they they decide to rise up. Yes, we're going to go back to Jerusalem. We're going back home. It's now the time. Now is the time. Seventy years are over. They're being right. They're being stirred up, as God stirs up His people here. As God stirs up people to come and and commit themselves to Quinton. and we're so grateful for that. God does His work, and God uh, is. Is at work. So, as I kind of bring this um, message to a close, three things for you to take away as we think about these things. Three things to think about, and the first, and they're all to do with the wonder of God's providence, the wonder of God uh, acting on behalf of His for of His people, working through His people, <coughs> and that is the provision, the precision of God's timing, the precision, the perfect timing of, of God working out his providence, which we've seen, God stirring up. <coughs> and God wants us, I think, to have that perspective that, that God um, is at work today, and that God is at work in the nations, and god wants us to have that perspective that while things might look black and look dark god can even stir up the heart of somebody like vladimir putin he can do it god can stir up men like that <coughs> to fulfill his prom- his purposes ultimately for his people and we see here the precision of god's timing it is exactly the right time <coughs> so we should be encouraged to pray for those in leadership and power and authority we should look beyond what we, what what the world sees and see that god is superintending events <coughs> and things that happen in the world we need to look up we need to look the God who is sovereign the God who is faithful the Lord God who keeps his promises and that is is alive he's still speak he's speaking through his word and he is with us we, you can turn to Haggai chapter 2 uh, which we'll be dipping in uh, in future messages where the Lord is is saying to Haggai to tell the people you know look I am with you." I am with you. God is with us in the work, and we should uh, be encouraged. And let us let us pray for our lead, our leaders, our national leaders. Pray that God uh, uh, works out His purposes in them for our nation and for the church in this land. And secondly, the wonder of God's providence in how He prompts. His people, how he prompts his people, how he stirs up his people. And we need to uh, um, be be seeking him to keep prompting and stirring us up to be people of faith. Do we want to be people that are stirred up by God? And then finally, number three, the wonder of God's promise in that he always provides this was the right time this this man Cyrus came along at the right time to dis- dispose of uh, that, that uh, wicked family of um, uh, Nebuchadnezzar who was his descendants who were there I think it was a king called Nabonidus and uh, it was just it, right at the right time after 70 years And the Lord uses this man to enable and to facilitate this project of returning from captivity back to (coughs) Judah, back to uh, Jerusalem. And he provides, as we have seen in these verses. Verse 6. The Lord provides. He provides amply. And we can testify to that here. God has provided. And God will provide And we can give him thanks for that. And we can uh, seek his face to continue. And as Paul has, kind of, has mentioned this morning, you know, it's such a blessing to be here on a Thursday at the prayer meeting. God is stirring it, his people up to pray, to come. And God is answering prayer and he is providing. So let us uh, seek His face <coughs> to continue doing that to stir, be stirring us up here, and that we can be encouraged as we uh, read the book of Ezra. Amen. Let's let me just pray for us, Father. We thank you uh, for your servants in these Old Testament times who saw you at work, who who uh, was stirred up by you in eventful times and Lord that saw you re, uh, restore and revive and reset your work and you, and your worship and Lord that you would be pleased to continue to do that here that you would indeed revive the work here that we would see your mighty arm made bare and that you would indeed speak with the voice that wakes the dead and makes Thy people here. May we hear you uh, as you stir us and prompt us. Amen. Amen.